the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. Welcome. I'm Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, now on 106.3 FM in East Portland and Vancouver, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860, The Answer, KPAM, La Patrona 1640, 93.1 L Ray, and 104.1 The Fish. And I'd love to talk with you about getting more people back to your church, sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and our church service live stream directory, expanding your ministry or business beyond your walls, establishing yourself as an authority in your field, and becoming more known through radio and podcasting, marketing your message or brand directly to your target audience through the latest and most powerful online tools of Salem Surround, and most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, a cup of coffee, or a connection to others, please email me at mikelee at kpdq.com, that's M-I-K-E-L-E-E, at kpdq.com. If you go to any of our websites, including truetalk100.com, kpdq.com, and thefishportland.com, I'm sure you've stumbled upon our latest event feature, which is Christmas Fun, sponsored by our friends at Weston Kia. And one of the many events in the area that are great for the family would be at Morningstar Community Church in Salem, and it's called The Lights at Morningstar. So here to tell us all about it and the church, we have Cooper and Morgan Anderson. Cooper serves as the worship director of the church. So welcome, Morgan Mm -hmm. and Cooper. How are you today? Thank you. Doing so well. Glad to be here. Yes, thank you. I'm so glad to have you here, my friends. So... If you go to the websites, kpdq.com, truetalk100.com, and thefishportland.com, if you stumble upon the Christmas fun page, one of the many events you'll see is The Lights at Morningstar, and there are details at the website, thelightsatmorningstar.com. So, Cooper, as the visionary and creator of this free admission Christmas light show, can you give us the big picture? What exactly is this event called The Lights at Morningstar? Yeah, so this is a Christmas lights drive-through event. It's free to the public, and it's really something that we look to do for community outreach purposes. And also, we partner with a local nonprofit called Salem Angels, which helps foster families. So when we were looking at doing this event, it was all about how can we create a fun Christmas lights family-focused event that can just be a blessing to our community and also raise some funds for a good cause through Salem Angels as well. So well, that's fantastic, Cooper. Yeah. We've had Brooke Goldsby from Salem Angels on before. Oh, so good. Yeah. What is your connection with Salem Angels? And does the foster system strike your heart for any particular reasons? So as a church, we were looking, I would think it was about three years ago now, with Morningstar Community Church, we were looking for a nonprofit that we could partner with and looking at the passages that tell us in the Bible to really look after orphans and widows and, you know, be good 
stewards of those people and caring for them as a church. And so this organization, Salem Angels, really struck a chord with us. They were just getting off the ground when we were starting this Lights at Morningstar event in 2020. And we thought, how cool would it be to both step forward in this partnership and also kind of link them up with the lights so that we can benefit them. But yeah, I, I think it's all about just taking care of those in the foster community well and helping them out and raising awareness for that so that the parents that kind of steward those foster relationships can be in a better place there. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So Morgan, as a mom of two adorable littles, what do you like to do around the Christmas season? What's fun for you? I love just going looking at Christmas lights. We liked doing a few different drive through experiences together and... I've enjoyed just watching their enjoyment of different things, watching them love to meet Santa, and I enjoy everything about it. <laughs> well, by all means, boast on your beautiful kids, who you brought to the studio today, and they've been so good. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah, we got Ryan and, and Isaac, and they're a blessing to us. They're four, four and just over one year, and you can hear them now. Because <laughs> well, Ryan being the four-year-old and mm-hmm. Isaac now being one-year-old, mm-hmm. as a young mom... Has it been a bit of an adjustment going from mom of a daughter to mom of a son also now? Yes. Are they just different or what? So different. She was always, Ryan was always so like sweet and gentle. You know, you give her a baby and her instinct was just like rock the baby. This other one, he throws the baby. (laughs) So it's very, it has been very fun to see their personalities and just seeing how different they are. And as they're growing into their personalities it's been really fun to watch having been blessed to be a father i get it because hannah was the delightful quiet compliant child the baby would take to the dimly lit italian restaurant who would just be happy to look around and then get this christian friends of ours used to pray that god would give us more challenging kids so that we would know what it is to be real parents (laughs) naturally god answered with tj and kate you know TJ would go into the toilet bowl. They would climb out of the crib. They would just mm-hmm. yeah, crazy. Oh, but yeah. Ryan have blessed we are to be parents. Very. It's been. It's oh, it's been a amazing. Huge blessing. I absolutely love everything about it. So, has the transition been for Ryan from being an only child, beautiful daughter of yours, mm. to all of a sudden there's this other little life in here, in this family, and it's a boy. <laughs> She's been great with it. She oh. loves her brother so much. Oh, and yeah. yeah, there's some there's some moments of jealousy and things that you'd expect there. But overall, she's been very caring of him, and it's been great. I think if anything, she loves him probably too much sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she wants to pick him up and carry him around and play with him, and sometimes to his detriment. <laughs> Gotta love it. So, Morgan, has it been difficult going from one to two and being outnumbered? Uh, yes. <laughs> But it's also been, I think, because Ryan is a little bit older, she's been very helpful. I can ask her to go upstairs and grab a diaper for me or just to play with him while I'm trying to make their lunches. And so she's very helpful. So that has been good. Uh, But definitely trying to get out of the house. I set an alarm to leave 30 minutes before I actually have to so that we are out the door when we need to be because I'm very much outnumbered. So. We get it. Believe me, we get it. So let's go to the big picture of the lights at Morningstar, Cooper. How on earth did you come up with this idea in the first place? Well, it was kind of a a group group effort idea by our staff. We 
have a staff meeting that takes place once a month uh, where we invite all of our staff together. And John, our executive pastor, kind of said one month, he was like, we're going to break into groups. And this was in 2020 when everything was going crazy. He said, we're going to break into groups right now. And let's just come up with some ideas that are out of the box. How can we reach our community in creative ways at this time? What do we need to do that's different than what we usually do? so that we have, you know, a better outreach for those around us and can continue, you know, sharing the gospel in creative ways. And so we all kind of brainstormed at what could be cool ways to do that. And one of the ideas on that list of probably 45 or 50 ideas was a Christmas lights drive through. And I remember us as a, as a staff leadership team later taking a look at that and going, there's something to that one. There's something to the Christmas lights drive through. It was one of those ideas where everyone went, oh, that's cool. Why didn't we think of that? And I'm sure there's one particular person on our staff that came up with it. I'm not quite sure who it was, but props to them. Um, We just kind of took that idea and said, let's run with this. We got that whole event (laughs) off the ground in two and a half months uh, to start. And it was such a God thing that that happened. You know, we're talking an original story, original music, original voiceovers and illustrations, uh, all the logistics, all the event stuff, all in two and a half months. I just, every time I talk to people about it, there's nothing I can say, but God wanted that idea to go forward because if he hadn't have been in it, there's no way we could have done that all by ourselves. And you've developed a new storyline for this year for those yeah. who may have visited the Lights at Morning Star in the past, right? Yeah. So if you're visiting this year, it's a completely new story. We ran one story years one and two. And then year three, it's all about the real origin story of St. Nicholas. Uh, and it's kind of telling about one of his first gifts in a, in a really fun way. So who would you call the target audience? Because I've seen some wonderful Christmas and holiday events, and some are mm. flagrantly Christian, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And others are what we might call more secular or welcoming to the unchurched. Sure. I mean, the, the primary goal of this event is to be welcoming to our community. And if you, if you are like a family in the Salem area or the greater Salem area, you know, the cities around us, Eugene, Portland, whatever, and you want to drive up here and see a fun Christmas lights experience that has a story and do something as a family that you can kind of get a collective joy uh, with seeing and, and going through. That is who this event is for, is, is families and individuals that love Christmas, that want to see some fun lights, that want to hear a good story, and see maybe a Christmas lights drive through done in a different way than they've ever seen it done before. So we had the privilege of going last Sunday night, and it was nice. so much fun. It's such a visual experience, especially yeah. going at night, yep. at least for me. I loved the audio that you'd put together in addition oh, to all of the visuals. Yeah. So, by all means, feel free to boast on your team and your staff. Who oh, yeah. behind the scenes really stood out? Oh, yeah. We have some great artists at our church, and I'm proud to say that almost everything we've done to make this event a reality on the artistic side has been sourced within our church. So, we have a voiceover artist that has done all of the voices for the whole event. So, that was pretty cool. We have an illustrator that drew all of the characters from scratch originally, and I worked with him. We have construction people within our church that 
were very generous with their time and efforts and crews to come in and help set up everything and get the logistics done, the power cords, the Christmas lights, just so many things as a church coming together. And I think one of the only outside source things that we did was we have an original score that was done by a friend of mine that lives in Eugene, and he did a fantastic job with that as well. Oh, that's wonderful, Cooper. Yeah. Have you ever done such a large-scale project as the lights at Morningstar in the past? (laughs) That's a great question. I think that the lights is probably the largest creative project I have ever worked on. I've done large-scale creative short films and different stuff like that in the past. But the logistics and the team that it takes to put on this effort is the largest I've ever worked on, for sure. I'm sure you've heard about it on 93.9 KPDQ and 104.1 The Fish. The Lights at Morningstar is at Morningstar Community Church in Salem. That's off I-5, the Kubler Boulevard exit. You really can't miss it. It's directly across the street from the Salem Costco. And admission is absolutely free. So Cooper and Morgan and team, thank you for what you're doing to bless the nonprofit group Salem Angels. Mm. SalemAngels.org has a lot more details on Brooke Goldsby's ministry to foster families. So maybe you personally aren't called to be a foster parent, but you could support a foster family. Maybe it's by dropping off a box of food, making a donation, serving on a kid's game night, which is actually Mm -hmm. a thinly veiled foster parents date night where the kids got taken off their hands. And you can find out more information about that at SalemAngels.org. Do you know the dates of the lights at Mornings Draw off the top of your head? December 8th through 10th, 15th through 17th, and 20 through 23rd. Those are the dates we're running the shows. And what hours are open and when do you suggest going? Are there certain days that are going to be a lot more busy than others? Boy, we've had about equivalent attendance in opening weekend each night. So take your pick. It'll probably be a little bit lighter on the 20th through the 22nd, I would guess. But we run on 6 to 9 p.m. It's not like you got to be there at 6 p.m. to start. Just come by any time within that time range, and you'll have a great opening to come on through the event. And thanks so much for coordinating with our friends at 104.1 The Fish. It's really nice hearing Chris and Crystal and Cat Taylor in between the opening songs on the queue as you're waiting to enter the lights yep. at Morningstar. Yep. When we return, let's find out more about Cooper and Morgan, about okay. serving as a worship leader today. And uh, thelightsatmorningstar.com is the website about this free event. Yes. More with Morgan Cooper and kids next on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. Mike Lee here with Cooper and Morgan Anderson. Make sure to check out the lights at Morningstar.com to find out all about this free admission Christmas light extravaganza. It's right off of I-5's Salem exit at Kubler Boulevard. And all the details are at the truetalk800.com Difference Makers page. So, Morgan, when did you meet your husband? Which time? Um, We actually met first when we were about 18, working at Red Robin together. And a couple years later, he started an internship at the church that I was attending. And And so so what church was that and where was it located? That was at Mission Church in Bend, Oregon. And um, yeah, so we just reconnected there. The friendship that we had already started prior just kind of 
reconnected, started right back up, and he started going to the Bible study that I was a part of, and we were just hanging out all the time, and we just got really close and started dating, and here we are today. Oh, I love it. Church, Red Robin, (laughs) friendship, and bang, here you are today. I always like to tell people that I saw her looking at me across the room at Red Robin because I was the best-looking busboy. And then she just, you know, couldn't help herself. He was so. the hardest working best boy. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> no. The reality was he was probably just waiting for that refill of fries to arrive. Yeah, yes. yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. I did think he was cute. I was and I was also thinking yes. she was cute. So there's that. Well, you're both adorable people, so I could see that happening. <laughs> oh, shucks. So did you grow up in the Bend area all of your life, Morgan? I moved to Bend when I was nine. My family and I are from California, um, LA area, and they just wanted something different. And so we packed up and moved to Bend. And so. SoCal to Bend. Well, that's a pretty good culture shock oh, for you. Oh, yeah, How did you it was. Just as an eight or nine year old. I was fine with it. I think the biggest, I mean, I missed seeing my family and I had my friends. I also very much missed Disneyland. I went quite often. So that was a big thing that I was like, Oh, I don't get to go to Disneyland every weekend now. Wow. And so that was the only culture shift. I actually really like Bend. I'm really not a city girl very much. So Bend was much smaller when we moved there. And so it was, I really, really enjoyed it. So if anything, Bend was more acclimated to your personality than yes. LA was. Yeah, absolutely. Despite losing Disneyland. Yeah, that's the only only bummer I see. <laughs> very nice. And was your... Family, a, a strong church-going Christian family as you were growing up? Yes and no. I, we, I was talking with my mom about this recently because my vision of our church life changed drastically about the time I was 10 years old just because at the church we were at, there were some friend groups that my family got involved in. It wasn't a very healthy environment. And so we, while I would say before I was nine, my parents were very strong in their faith And then for a good amount of time up until I was about 15 years old, we kind of strayed away from that. So we still went to church. We always had that presence there. But it wasn't until I was like 15 that suddenly my parents were like, oh, we need to do something different. And God was just calling them to be different. And then slowly, one by one, each of my family members just came to our own Christ moment where we were like, okay, God, we are giving you control. We're not holding on to our own earthly desires anymore. And we're letting go of that. And so, yeah. So was it a gradual process for you, Morgan, or was it like a light bulb moment out of the blue that struck you? It was a light bulb moment. It was one afternoon. I was just having a hard time with friends, and my mom's immediate reaction was, hey, we're going to church. And I said, that's dumb. And I was like, no, I don't want to, but I did anyways. And at church that night, it was a message about what I needed at the time was just I was in very unhealthy friend groups, and it was a message about being like, you know, evenly yoked, you know, a little bit of poop ruins the brownies is like the saying that was used. And I realized how negatively my friends were impacting me. And so I really had to say, like, am I holding on to this or am I letting go? I don't remember the altar call. I don't remember walking up. I just know that God was doing something. The next day I went to school. I put in my transfer request to go to a different school, stopped hanging out with the friend groups that were bad for me and just moved forward. So... It was a very quick switch for me. That's a really mature perspective from a teenager to have. I can't give any credit to me. That was all God in that moment. I can't explain it. 
I'm sure you're not the only one going through struggles. Those of mm-hmm. us who have friendships in Christianity or outside of it often go through influences mm-hmm. that some ways are good for us and other ways Absolutely. are not. Mm-hmm. I don't know who he got it from, but Crossroads Vancouver's pastor, Daniel Fusco, would say that you become most like the five people that you invest most of your life in or mm-hmm. spend time with or talk with. So Absolutely. as a young teenager, for you to turn that upside down, I think mm-hmm. that's incredibly courageous. Oh, um, thank you. Good well, for you. And within the period of about two years, their whole family had gone mm-hmm. from kind of apathetic towards Jesus to on fire and passionate towards Jesus. And mm-hmm. God just picked up their whole family and turned their life around. And I think it's an incredible story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So both of you grew up in the church. How do we prevent ourselves from just going through the motions, doing because that's just what my family does, versus mm-hmm. really being invested in our individual walk with God? Yeah. How do you know? Yeah. I think it's something that no matter where you grow up and what environment you grow up in, you have to choose to follow Jesus for yourself. And that is a very personal walk for each person to decide to really follow Jesus and take it from something that your parents do as a family thing for their faith and something that you as a person do as you're growing up in that environment. I think that it requires you to understand what you're doing in following Jesus and to realize that it is more than just a religion, but it is a relationship and that either you take the road on following him or you take the road on following your own desires. And ultimately in the end, what it was for me, because I I grew up, I mean, I was on the church platforms and stuff as a kid from when I was like three or four years old all the way up until (laughs) current And I just remember waking up one morning very vividly in my bed and God had kind of set this decision very clearly in my brain. It's the only way I can describe it. The the light was kind of pouring through the shades. And I remember thinking to myself, either I carry on with my own trajectory and doing the things that I want to do kind of in the background, or I choose to follow Jesus. And I felt like God was saying, which of those things are you going to choose? And I knew in my heart I had to choose Jesus. I didn't want to be without him. So I think to not grow apathetic, you have to have your own passion and personal relationship with Jesus. You have to spend time in his word. You have to know what you're doing in following him. Because when you know that and it's seated in your heart, that is when the relationship becomes personal. Just like when I met Morgan and dated her and we got engaged, you know, the more we know each other over time, we have a deeper relationship and connection with each other and we understand each other's personality types. I think God tells us to draw near to him and in, in so doing, we get closer to him and we see more of him. And then how can you turn away once you have realized truly who he is for yourself? And I think that is what it takes to be growing up in a church environment and keep things fresh in your life. Now that your parents of a daughter and a son, are there things that you're thinking you really do need to emphasize? Mm, That's good. I know for me, I pray almost every day that my kids would have a personal relationship with Jesus that is all their own and that I would exemplify that. I want them as they grow 
to know who Jesus is for themselves and to seek him out and look for him for themselves. That is the biggest thing that I want them to understand is how to think through and reason that. Mm -hmm. I agree. What would you keep? What would you change? I mean, for me, it was like, I think even though my parents, I witnessed them go through such hard times and realizing that we weren't totally walking in line with what Christ had said, they still maintain that we have to go to church. We do this as a family. And realizing what that was, like not so much as being forced to go as much as it was, this is, we are a family, we are doing this together. And I want our family to know that this is something that Cooper and I have chosen to exemplify for them. And I want them to see that. I want them to be encouraged that we don't just go to church just for the sake of going to church, that this is something that we are fully invested in and not only for ourselves, but for them in the future. I love it, Morgan. So do you have any siblings? (laughs) I have two. I have a younger sister who's two years younger than me, and then I have a brother who's nine years younger than me, and it's his birthday today. So, (laughs) Well, happy birthday to your brother. Very nice. So are you all in the Pacific Northwest? My sister's in Idaho, and then my brother is still down in Bend. Okay, so they're not exactly next door, but you can get together fairly regularly. Yes, yeah. Try to, at least. (laughs) Well, that's neat. So how's the move been for you? Growing up predominantly in Central Oregon before your husband took the job as worship and arts director at Morning Star Community Church in Salem. Was that (laughs) as drastic a shock as moving from L.A. to Central Oregon? Not really, but I also think we were just so excited for it. We just knew that God was doing something, that he was moving us in a direction. I knew when Cooper and I started dating that we would not stay in Bend. I didn't know where we were going to end up. I just knew that Bend was not going to be our forever home. And so when this opportunity came up, even during the interview process, the last night that we were here, I was crying in the hotel room. And Cooper's asking me what's wrong. I said, I don't want to leave. I just felt like we were really supposed to be here. So it wasn't really a drastic move. I think it's been harder since my family has moved to Idaho since we've been here. So they're not just over the past anymore. We do have to be a little bit more intentional with going to visit them. But other than that, I feel like I felt at peace with coming here. And it wasn't really a hard transition. I'm glad to hear that. Having moved from New York 15 years ago. The fastest friends we've made have been transplants from other areas. Your mileage may vary, but for us, moving to the Pacific Northwest, so many people, they've been here forever. Their grandparents know each other's grandparents. And as a result of that, sometimes it's easy to not notice when people move in, much less have any idea of what to do with them. Mm. So do you have any suggestions for when newcomers move into your neck of the woods or neighborhood or church? What Mm. things do we do right and what things could we use a little help in? Yeah, I think it it varies on which church you go to. Some are better at being very welcoming to newcomers, and some are better at having programs that incorporate them in different ways. And I think each ministry has its strength. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Do you understand the culture that you're in, and are you welcoming when people walk through the door? Are you loving and caring of them? I think one of the biggest things that I see, especially in churches that are bigger, that maybe isn't done right, is that you need to get people involved in a smaller community within that bigger church as soon as possible, because it's easy these days to walk into the doors and expect a consumer experience where I like the worship, I like the message, I like this, and then walk out the other way. But if you're involved in a small group 
of people that know you personally and intimately, and they can speak into your life and pray for you personally and be involved in every aspect of you and your family's life. There's an accountability there. There's a relationship there. There's something that draws you in. And so I think that's something that is invaluable for churches to continue to do if you are on the bigger side, is you got to get people involved in a small community. And I think that we need to do that faster so that people feel more at home and welcomed uh, when they walk through the doors. I agree. I don't necessarily believe there's one ideal church size anymore. No. Mm-mm. My, my family, we've no. done the mega church and we've done the church plant. Yep. And we've done what's in between. We've yeah. done churches that were part of a fellowship or denomination. And then there's a lot of churches out there that identify as non-denominational, which comedian Tim Hawkins would say, y'all are just Baptists with a cool website. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. But I think that I would have to agree with you that a church that's on the larger side needs to be more intentional to include people and not let people fly under the radar or go unnoticed. Yeah. Well, and I I don't know, probably some of the listeners will listen to Carrie Newhoff's leadership podcast out there, but I love that podcast. And he constantly talks about the statistics of most churches in America being 100 people or less. Mm -hmm. And honestly, once you get past that size of 100, there's a lot more you have to do to relationally connect people. So I agree with you. I don't think there's an ideal church size. God can use ministries in mega churches to affect lots of people on a grand scale. He can use smaller churches to walk out different aspects of his calling and kingdom in a whole different way and be a lot more tight-knit and relational. I've seen all of those models work. And I think when we start to criticize church models, you know, for this or that, we really have to be careful because God does call each church to an individual calling or community to reach. And reaching that community that God's called you to as a church is going to be very different than you know, some of the big churches like Hillsong and Elevation that we see out there, it's easy to go, let's be them. But you cannot miss that God has called you in your community to be something unique to reach those people. And there's got to be a good understanding of that no matter what church size you're at. You've got to embrace that calling and walk forward in that. Great observations from Cooper and Morgan Anderson. Don't miss the lights at Morningstar. This free event benefits the nonprofit group Salem Angels. And you can find out more about the dates, the location, I-5 off the Kubler Boulevard exit in Salem, and all the details at the website, thelightsatmorningstar.com. More with Cooper and Morgan Anderson next on Difference Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee. And if you go to the website, thelightsatmorningstar.com, you can find out all about this free event. It's a drive-through Christmas light show, fun for the entire family. Admission is absolutely free. And it benefits Salem Angels, which helps foster families out. So Mm -hmm. welcome back, music director of Morningstar Community Church. Cooper Anderson, not to be confused with Anderson Cooper. I bet you've yeah. heard that over the years many oh, so times, many haven't times. you? Yes, not not intentional by my parents, but I get it all the time. <laughs> 
So speaking of your parents, yeah. you've actually grown up in the Christian radio industry. Yeah. So tell us about where you grew up in the first place, Cooper. Yeah, I grew up in Bend, Oregon. I was actually born in Salem, where I live now, but only stayed there for about a year before my parents moved down to take a job in Central Oregon there in the Bend area. And my dad has been on the radio as the morning person for, I think it's it's almost 30 years now. It's got to be like between 25 and 30 years and he has just been faithful and strong in being that morning announcer. He's very good at his craft. It's fun to hear him on the air, and I got to observe him in action several times as a kid doing uh, different setups and breaks for uh, Christian radio stuff. So, yeah. How neat. So, any siblings? Yes, I have two siblings. They are twins, not twins of mine, but they're both four years younger than me, and they are twins. So where's your relatively musical family growing up, Cooper? Yes. <laughs> uh, I was pretty much born onto the, to the stage platform, as were my siblings. My parents kind of met in, in college and did singing groups together all along, and then we were very involved in our church on worship teams and church musicals, and we would go around and sing as a family of five together, all five of us sing, and so we'd sing at different events and at our church and uh and do different things on the side that way. And so it was always very fun to grow up in a musical family. So not only was your dad, Brent Anderson, a well-known name in the Christian music radio industry, but he walked the walk as well. Your family was regularly in church. If the doors were open, you were generally there, if not helping and serving or doing music together, right? Oh, yeah. My parents still remain to this day such a great example of what it means to faithfully serve in the church and walk the Christian faith both behind closed doors and towards other people. And there was just no differences there the way that they lived. And being able to see their marriage being strong and unified and their Christian walk being walked out before others has largely made me what I am today, uh, seeking to follow that same example. They, They did such a good job raising us kids and homeschooling us. My mom did. Um, And it was just like very, now looking back at it as an adult, it's such a inspiring thing to take as an example, the way that they uh, have lived their whole lives and continue to live. I don't think you can give a parent a better compliment than (laughs) by saying that they were exactly who they were at home as they were in front of the public. Yeah. Yep. Uh, my goal is to make my mom cry right now as I just, you know, I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> when she listens to this, I'm, I'm joking. No, they have been, they continue to be one of my largest role models in my life. And that's not something I feel that many kids can say about their parents, but that remains to be the case into my adult life and married life. So did your parents ever divulge why they decided to raise you as homeschooled kids? My mom felt passionate about being at home with us, and she wanted to give homeschooling a try. She liked the benefits of being able to focus on some things that may not traditionally fit into like a regular school model. For example, in high school, I was able to intern with a local film company as part of my credit that ended up working largely into my career. My last job was as a video director for a church And I don't think I would have been able to do that if I wasn't able to take some of my class time and put it towards real world training. And then also 
just doing state testing and all the regular math and writing and stuff like that. I graduated from college with honors and felt like my mom really gave it her best and wanted to see that trajectory out. And I think that was her passion from the beginning. She did very well at it. So you were raised musically from a very young age. Yes. When did God put it on your heart to go into the worship arts and consider it as a career? Mm. Yeah, I feel like God has given me kind of like a creative Swiss army knife tool belt, right? And throughout the years of me working in ministry or interning in ministry at, at a younger age or, or whatever it was, he has he has shown me ways to use those different giftings and skill sets. And gratefully, I've always been able to have a place to serve and use those giftings within the church to a high capacity. So whether it be, you know, directing short films and opening videos for a church and doing the creative direction to where I am right now doing worship and creative arts stuff and pushing myself in music direction and leading a congregation as I did in high school as well. God's just always given me those places to serve and I am so passionate about following where he calls me to go and just working at whatever he calls me to faithfully as as well as I can. So you mentioned your high school years and Mm -hmm. Had you met your wife, Morgan, when you were both in your earlier teens, you might not have liked each other as much as yeah. you do today. Tell <laughs> us about that, Cooper. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think the the people that we were in high school, uh, and especially Morgan with her journey that was shared about uh, here on this, this episode, is she was a very different person, I was a very different person, and God brought us together at just the right time. And I don't know if we would have dated each other if we were in high school, but the when we were in college, it was the right time. So so for you to do as well as you did at college, was that always the mindset for your homeschooled household growing up? Mm. I mean, the mindset was to set us up for success in life educationally and vocationally. And so I think that the result of that is raising kids that can be self-starters and achievers. And then when they face different challenges in different situations, whether it be, you know, a new environment in college or or whatnot, you're going to work as hard as you can. And if you have that work ethic and that drive and that uh, passion to really do the best you can, I think it'll take you far. I feel like that's what my parents tried to instill in, in us. Uh, And it, that is what gave me the motivation to to work at it in, in college and through my career so far. So when did you start looking at colleges and mm-hmm. what were you considering? Yeah, I started looking at colleges probably, um, I would say, junior year of high school into the senior year of high school and was really looking for something that would give me a broad range of what I could go for creatively. And there's this place called... New Hope Christian College, such a, it's like a small, tiny school, but man, the connections that they had and the the teachers and professors that they had there were just wildly talented in the creative arts realm. And we're talking, you know, I did film classes with someone that did the opening credits for the Iron Man movies and, and it was one-on-one over Skype back in, back in the day. And, and they were doing musicals that were 
designed as Disney musicals, but they were putting them on in Eugene. And it was just like this cra- crazy creative connection place that even though it was small, I both got training in theology and very good creative arts training at the same time. It was almost like a double major, but it was just God set it up to where that was the exact right thing. And I've used pretty much everything that I learned there daily in my uh, career over the past six or seven years. So were there particular influencers or professors or mentor types at New Hope Christian College that really helped steer you to where you are today, Cooper? Oh, yeah. I mean, you got, if you want some names, we got Steve and Cindy Kenny, uh, just creative geniuses and masterminds. I still pass my scripts and stuff for like the lights events by them to this day and, and ask for their input. Jeff Weinkoff and Kyle Anderson on the live and recorded audio side of things were just genius engineers there and taught me a lot of what I use today. Elliot Grasso is a incredible professor in the Eugene area and just such a cool guy. And then Gary Matzdorf on the theology side of things was an awesome professor. And there's several that I'm sure I'm leaving out that really encouraged and inspired me in creative efforts throughout the years. Oh, Danny Yount was the film guy that I took classes with, as well as Tim Savage over in Hawaii. And both of those guys are incredibly talented. So lots of names that really poured into my creative learning. So it seems like your time in Eugene was good and that New Hope Christian College not only put you in a position to succeed when it comes to your vocation, but also spoke to you spiritually as well. Oh, absolutely. I I feel like I was able to be fully trained in a ministering sense and also fully trained creatively to be able to tackle a lot of different things in the church space. And that was the goal of my degree was to set you up for that. So I think they succeeded in, in that for sure. Among the side projects you have is a band with your siblings, the twins that you were telling us about. Where on earth did you come up with the name The Band Foster? Is this an inside joke or what? (laughs) No, not quite a joke. When we were putting our band together, I mean, we've sung for years. Like I said, we grew up in a musical family. But when we decided to kind of do a trio between the three of us, we said, what do we want this to be about as a ministry side of things, personally, as we look at this. And one of the things we said is we want to foster or encourage messages of hope to those that listen and messages of Jesus and good news. And so for us, the band foster means fostering good, creative, quality, authentic messages through our music that hopefully inspire people and encourage them to think about something in new and creative ways that they haven't thought of them in that way before. Oh, I love it. So you're four years older than the twins. So when did this band begin? I think we officially launched our name in about 2016. I think that's about when it was. And we had been occasionally writing some music and whatnot before that. But after that, we started to kind of record and release things on Spotify, (laughs) Apple Music, different musical platforms, that kind of thing. So around 2016-2017 era was when we started really collecting ourselves together in that band name. So as the oldest, are you pretty much the leader of the band? Are you all equal partners? Does one of your siblings kind of have control or what? (laughs) We're equal partners. We have different roles in the band. So we kind of just look at the strengths that we all have and we play into those. 
I have kind of leadership qualities and strengths to think through big vision stuff and getting projects started and managed from start to end. And my brother's an incredible music arranger. My sister writes really great lyrics. And so we all just kind of, we all co-write things together and we collaborate. All of our records are produced 100% by us and all instruments are recorded by us unless we want to bring in a friend or something like that. So we have the ability to do it all in-house, and boy, does that save some money. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. I hope you're doing this decades from now, and it yeah. never stops being fun. Maybe you'll add oh, yeah. some uh, spouses or kids or yeah. cousins along in the mix. Yeah. Are your parents still musical? Do they still do things actively in church and things yep. like that? Oh, yeah. They're still very involved in their church today, and they uh, sing on the worship team, both of them still together, and it's great to hear them do that. Well, thanks for what you're doing with this free Christmas light show, The Lights at Morning Star. All the mm-hmm. details are at the website, thelightsatmorningstar.com, which yeah. I've linked up to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com, as well as salemangels.org, mstar.church, and thebandfoster.com. So mm-hmm. thanks so much for bringing your beautiful family in, Morgan and Cooper Anderson. On the way yeah. out, is there anyone you want to say hi to or send a shout-out to, Cooper? To be cliche, we'll just say... Hi, Mom and Dad on both sides. (laughs) It's great to give a shout-out to them, and just thank you to all the different people that work in our Lights event that make this a possibility. Man, without our church coming together, you wouldn't have a Christmas Lights drive-through like that. So I've just been telling people I'm so grateful for that and thankful for our church to put that event on. So thank you so much again, Morgan and Cooper Anderson, as well as Isaac and Ryan for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.